I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. Hi, dear listener. Well, it's a Sunday morning, and I'm just standing here in my bedroom, and um, looking around and thinking and realizing that nights have gotten more peaceful, which is a beautiful and blessed thing. For the longest time, they weren't. (laughs) And just now, it's the very beginning of them being peaceful. But I was sort of cleaning up, you know, and just straightening things. And you know how one one thought can lead to another. They call that stream of consciousness. Well, it's a very interesting and real phenomenon. Before you know it, you know, you, you, you something might remind you. You might think of one thing. Something might remind you of one thing. And then that one thing that it reminds you of may uh, lead to another thing and then another and another. And before you know it, you know, a whole long line of thoughts and feelings have unfolded themselves within you, your mind and heart, psyche, soul, even your within your, your body, your cells. They say that cells store memory. There's something such as cellular memory. So all these things are true, I believe all that. And um, when I came here almost bit over two and two and a half years ago, almost two and a half years ago, to Australia to start a new life. One of the things that I took was a bracelet. Okay, I came with just two large suitcases, a um, hundred pounds in total. So I had to choose pretty carefully what I was gonna what I was gonna take, and. Um, one of the things that I I packed into that uh, selection of items, you know, that I was going to take with me here 11,000 miles away from where I'd been living and where I was born and raised to start a new life was a bracelet. And this bracelet was given to me by a woman named Melanie. And it was given to me in a very particular circumstance, which was that we both met, we met each other at Oxford in England. And in that year, dear listener, and I will, I won't be able to make this podcast without crying. So please forgive me. That's what it is bringing up for me. But uh, in that year, my dear dad and I, went to Oxford to attend the Oxford Roundtable, and he suggested that I go. He had been going for a few years before that each summer, Northern Hemisphere summer, to deliver papers on various topics. He was a great scholar, dear listener. He was one of the most erudite, most extraordinarily intelligent people that I've known. And his intellect rose, sort of would, would, would move across vast terrains of, and fields of endeavor of 
you know, the sciences, the arts, culture, philosophy, ancient philosophy, modern philosophy, postmodern philosophy, education, music. He just seemed to know about everything. And uh, each year when he went to the Oxford Roundtable to deliver a paper, he loved doing that because he could choose something that um, he was thinking particularly about. And um, so in 2012, you know, he suggested that I go to and deliver a paper to. So we went together, you know, we made that trip together to Oxford. And I delivered a paper there on my work in music with people with disabilities, with women specifically, with disabilities and how revelatory that work has been for me. And uh, I, I wrote a paper and my dad helped me with that paper, right? He, he and I worked on it somewhat together and he had his own paper and we both went. So when we went there to the beautiful, incredibly beautiful campus that is Oxford, the ancient campus that is Oxford University, that summer in 2012, I happened to meet a woman who was also delivering a paper there. She'd come from the United States and her name was Melanie LaHart. So we kind of had a wonderful kind of connection. And towards the end of that, trip she was delivering a paper there too um, she gave me this bracelet and this bracelet is a very unusual bracelet it's hand woven and quite wide and it has woven into it many numbers of crystals rose quartz and other crystals that I don't know and there are four layers of them on this bracelet. Some are larger, some are smaller. And it's just an extraordinary piece of handiwork. And I have it here. I brought it with me to Australia when I moved here two and a half years ago. Because it reminded me of that time of Melanie, who's dear. And now as I sit here and speak to you, dear listener, my dad having passed, over a year ago. It reminds me of him. So I was cleaning my shelves here and I picked up the bracelet which sits in my bedroom amongst other beloved things, other beloved items, all of which are small but incredibly meaningful to me that have been given to me by very special people, one particular person, two particular people, um, my godmother and, and a very dear friend. And uh, and these little items create like little a little enclave of love in my bedroom on these shelves, these little shelves. So I picked up the bracelet this morning, and I was reminded of Melanie, and I was reminded of my dad, and I just began to feel that I had to speak this out because all of the m memories and feelings that I have for my dad just welled up and I'm holding this bracelet now that I was given at Oxford when I went with him there just a few short years ago. Dear listener, time is a strange thing. 
it's a really strange thing because it it sort of dissolves into into one's heart and one's mind and one's memory. God has given us memory for a reason and it's amazing, you know, because we can just pan back in a split second and time will collapse, you know, past into present, present into past, distant past, near past, whatever it might be. And when my dad passed away over a year ago, you know, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. And I imagined as I picked up this bracelet this morning, his last breath, and I imagined what it would have been like to be there with him as he was taking his last breath on this earth. And I just... All I could do was imagine it, you know, because I wasn't there. And yet, what happened afterwards, I've spoken about in my podcasts. Because, you know, in this extraordinarily moving and poignant way, his spirit found me all these miles. You see, miles are like time. They don't really exist in that world where ultimately we are so all connected and my dad is connected to me and his spirit found me across the miles you know it found me across the miles and I was sitting on a rock overlooking the bay and he came to me and I felt him and I thought oh my gosh my father has come to me it was unlike any experience that I'd had before because at first I didn't understand what was happening and then I realized that it was he it was my dad he had come and dear listener what unfolded over those subsequent days was so extraordinary and moving and really life changing life enhancing My dad grew me up, you see, in new ways by his coming to me after his passing. He made me more. He he helped me become more of myself through the presence, right? My feeling him made me more of me, of myself. It's hard to explain these things. But I grew and I... Um, felt more whole but I don't know these words don't really do justice to these things they just don't but I try I'm trying to share a feeling that is so difficult to describe to you but you know something incredible happened after that as part of that I guess really which was that I began to talk to my dad, you know. I began to ask him for help, guidance. I'd been talking to God for some time, and now my dad was there too. My father was there too and is here now. I feel him. I feel his presence. 
He's helping me. I know his presence is here. And he wants the very, very best for me. But something very incredible happened that I was reminded of this morning after he passed and in, in, in these experiences of his coming to me in the days after his passing. Which was that my dad and I always were very close and it was a kind of connection that I don't think I fully appreciated or understood, you know, so much had happened and I was so hurt by so many things when I was young that I wasn't kind of able to totally understand what the nature of our connection, my father's connection to me is and was. But after his passing, I began to get a sense of it, okay, and it was really pretty incredible. Because like I said to you, dear listener, my father was the most smartest, most brilliant person that I'd met. I could ask him anything. And yet, you know, his life was fraught with difficulties from the time he was born. My dad had the kind of unusual karma or fate or destiny of having been conceived in Russia by peasant stock, my great my grandparents, conceived under tough circumstances in Russia and um, having been carried in my grandma's belly as she made her way pregnant from tough circumstances in Russia. However they went, I don't even know how it was across Europe, what port they left, I don't know what it was, but they got on a boat in 1929 and made it to Ellis Island, the United States, New York, to start a new life. And my father was carried, he was conceived in Russia, and he was carried in my grandma's tummy on that journey across the Atlantic, and it was a rough passage. That's what I was told. To the United States, to start a new life. I guess a little bit like I made it here so many years later to start a new life. You see, this is what happens. We do these things. People travel in hope. They travel in hope to begin something new. And it's always a bittersweet passage because no matter what's happened to you, you're leaving behind the place from which you came that grew you up, you know, that's the most familiar, that's woven into you, your cells, your psyche, your heart, your mind, your very being. And you go because that hope is so compelling to you. The need is so compelling to you that you have to, you know, do it, take the risk, whatever it's taking, whatever it takes. So my grandparents left Russia under duress, no doubt. They were Jewish, and that was not a good time 
It hadn't been for a long time a good time for Jews in Russia, you know. There are things called pogroms, right? Which were the um, systematic and ongoing traumatization of Jewish populations in Russia over many decades, centuries probably. So that's what my grandparents left. But you see, they also saved themselves because it would be just 10 years later that the Holocaust would ensue, start, and they made it to the United States. But that was the; those were the circumstances under which my father was conceived and born, and that he uh, began his life. He was born in New York, conceived in Russia, born in New York. He was born on the eve of the stock market crash, okay? The worst financial, sociocultural event of the 20th century, arguably, right? It changed the lives of everybody overnight. You know, they talk about the run on the banks, the run on the banks. What is that? That's when people just run to the banks to get their money because they're afraid that there won't be any left and it's just going to dissolve into nothing. So um, my father was born on the eve of the stock market crash, 1929, October 28th. 27th, 1929, the stock market crash happened on October 28th, 1929, that was his birthday. Or October 29th, he was born on the 28th. So yeah, the day before, the eve the eve of the crash. that And then everything, all hell broke loose, and that was it. Everybody's life changed, particularly people who didn't have much, and that would include my grandparents, having just arrived in New York. So my grandfather went to work like at many jobs and ongoing and ongoing. And my father was born into the circumstance, a brilliant person, a brilliant person. And nobody could understand his brilliance, you know. They couldn't understand it. My grandmother couldn't, they could not understand the internal workings of the person who was my father. They couldn't understand it. Nothing around them, you see, I mean, culturally, I mean, it just, it was so much was happening. And my father was already undergoing existential crises, you know. So when he was six or seven, so what did my grandparents do? They got him, I guess, with whatever means they had, a little tricycle. And they told him to ride this tricycle. Maybe it would help, you know. And he just rode around and around and around and around the block you know, pedaling madly. I can picture it, this little tricycle, you know, trying to come to terms, grapple with, metabolize, even at that young age. You see, we are so aware, dear listeners, from the time we're very young, we're very formed and we're very aware. We are who we are already. And my dad was who he was and, you know, is already. I don't know to what extent that tricycle helped, but... That's what was going on. So, so fast forward, you know, 20 plus years and my dad has me. And when I was a tiny infant, he would carry me around all night because I had 
what's called colic, which is like baby indigestion, and wasn't feeling so good. I would cry, and my dad would carry me and just carry me, carry me, you know, till I fell asleep in his arms. And um, our connection was forged then. I think it was forged way long ago in the recesses of lifetimes, perhaps. But I was his firstborn and I kind of feel like there was some special connection between us. Because my dad, you know, as I began to grow, would help me with things. I didn't grow up from the time I was six, you know, he left, which was very painful, but looking back, I can see that um, that connection was never broken. It was there like a thread and is there now. And, um, you know, he helped me with particularly some of my academic papers and things that I was writing. I ended up going to Princeton, and he would suggest topics and suggest courses for me. But you know something, dear listener? As amazing as Princeton is and all that kind of stuff, I would often take courses that my dad thought would be good, history, philosophy of science, ancient Greek. I studied ancient Greek for a term. Um, other philosophy courses. But I really was hard-pressed to find a professor as interesting to me and compelling who made the stuff come to life like my dad did. He really did. Because this stuff was so living in him. The ancient Greeks, right, he would talk about them like they were walking around the house. <laughs> like they were, like, or we were walking around their house. You know, we were walking around Delphi, you know, which is this incredible place in Greece. You know, ancient Greek enclave. I was there. I visited there years ago. I mean, so I can picture where these ancient Greeks were walking around. And my dad would just, he would talk about Socrates. He would talk about Plato. He would talk about, you know, these people like he was there. Like we were walking around, like they were walking around, like we were there and they were living and thinking and breathing, which they were, and writing and giving us what ultimately we would now read all these centuries hence, you know, time dissolved, right? Time is a strange and interesting thing. And history and the artifacts of history in whatever form they may take you know, art, literature, right, writings, you know, all these things, sculptures, 
I mean, all these things, they're really, really, really something. People made them. And my dad got that. And he could bring all these topics to life in a way that was just amazing. And at the very end of his life, one of the last times that I saw him before I came to Australia, he was writing a poem. I made a podcast about it. He was writing a poem, and he wanted my input. You know, he 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 asked me for my input about things. He really valued my input, dear listener. It was like that was part of the unique connection, the connection between us was that he he knew that I got I was in somehow positioned, you know, aware or whatever it is enough to understand what he was trying to do. And so he would ask me, you know, to read his papers. And if it's anything I regret, dear listener, it's that some of those difficulties got in the way of me being able to really listen and offer my input, you know. I didn't, I couldn't always do it easily because of the pain that I was carrying. It's just the way it was, you know. It is, but was. Not is so much anymore. It's a beautiful thing. And I hope that that makes me a better person now, you know, to whomever... I'm with whoever I can help. It makes me better at it now. So, after my dad passed, it'd be like 15 months ago, and his spirit began to come to me, I began to ask him questions. I began to be in an open duet with him, dialogue with him, And I wanted to understand him in a way that I could now because there was a freedom, there's a freedom, there was a freedom I felt that I could say, tell me what would you want to tell me? Tell me what you want to tell me. Tell me what I can know about you, you know? You see, I felt completely free open-hearted my heart was opened by his passing and so I could ask with an open heart what what do you want to tell me what can I know about you and dear listener I remember exactly where I was standing when these messages started to come in from him this feeling this sense this these images because what began to open, you see, and here I am living at the vast, the edge of the vast Pacific, so there are vistas before me. I can look at the sky, and it's vast before me. I can look at the ocean, and there's a vastness in the horizon. There's a sense of expansiveness here. Physically, the physical surrounds the place I was walking. And, um, Interesting words came to me from him. And uh, it was like this. He said, something like, I was never supported. Nobody ever 
in a sense, this is kind of how I'm saying it now, understood me. Nothing in my environment, nothing could hold, could support, understand. You know, these words fall short, dear listener. I just, I'm trying to get the, get the sense across. Nothing he was saying to me. And by that he meant not, you know, he meant his, his particular family situation, his parents, but then by extension, the larger culture of what was going on. By extension, then I could picture the Holocaust, you know, the backdrop of, of six million Jews perishing as he was growing into a young teen, all of that was happening, okay, so my family was in the United States, that was happening in Europe, you know, people became aware of it, this was the backdrop of his life, this life for him, his life, having been conceived in pogrom-ridden Russia, you know, under, no doubt, tough circumstances, traumatic circumstances and then my grandmother making it to the United States my grandparents you know thank God and then trying you know as the stock market as the economy crashed down around everyone them trying to make something a go of it in a new place I mean what a situation and my dad came to me you know as I was walking here in this midst of this new life here for me, saying to me, nothing supported who I was, who I am. And by that, dear listener, he meant the essence. He meant the essence of his soul, right? Of who he really was, you know, is. And as I was getting these message, this message from him as I was praying to him and asking for him to tell me, please, what would he want to tell me? And that came to me, you know, the air, everything became kind of quiet. And I looked up at the sky and the feeling Dear listener, is something that I have never in my life experienced before in relationship to a human being. Because I looked up at the sky and I felt my dad's spirit there, vast as the stars, like the nature of his being in its, you know, primacy, the, the nature that the who he was and is now was so brilliant. It was like brilliant like the stars. He was brilliant. The stars and the sky were there, are there, were his are his nature or his nature. And it wasn't possible 
for anything around him in his life to understand his brilliance. And I just say that. I mean, I just have to say it. That was what came to me, was something so extraordinary. This man was so extraordinary, right? He was like one of the stars of in the pantheon, right? Of 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 people, of of humans, right? One of these great, 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 great beyond, you know, these stellar characters, these stellar minds, hearts, abilities he had. But he was born into the very opposite, into the most abject of circumstances, you know, conceived in and then born into tough, really dark times, dark times. And there he was, this brilliant, brilliant person. So it explained to me a lot, you see. Understanding this explained a lot to me. It allowed me to understand why everything that unfolded for him in his life, which ultimately meant that he left me when I was very young. You know, all these things started to make sense in a way that I could never, ever have understood otherwise. I could never. And so, you see, that understanding was like the self-same thing as forgiveness. Forgiveness, people talk about forgiveness, when you really, actually, really gain insight, like I just, like I did, that afternoon every manner of hurt or grudge or whatever it is dropped away because I saw what the case, what, what the situation had been I understood suddenly finally in a way I couldn't have understood before why my dad was the way he was why he was suffering, why, at a cosmic level, okay? That information came, it was like a cosmic insight, it was like a deep cosmic insight into this man. And this is our nature, dear listeners. We are wrought from the stars, from these forces, from, you know, these very, very, very extraordinary things my dad was was, and is. But that was the first time that I I actually gained that insight. It was incredible. So all these things came to me, dear listener, as I was standing in my bedroom, and I'm standing in my bedroom this morning, holding this beautiful bracelet that was given to me by this lovely person, Melanie. She said, I'm going to give this bracelet to you. It's It's a power bracelet. It's a power bracelet. You see this bracelet? This morning, as I moved it to dust underneath, brought me back to everything that I just conveyed to you, that I've just shared with you, that has come to me, my dear, beautiful father, 
whom I love now and forever and have always loved. It's quite a thing when you feel fused with someone that's no longer embodied. It's a it's a bittersweet, difficult thing, you know? Your heart is called to be in a way that is not easy. But that's that's it. That's it. That's what we're given to feel as humans. For our hearts to break open, you know, like a birth. Like a birth of our hearts. Like they're born through these difficulties. These painful things that seem utterly unreconcilable. These paradoxes that I can feel so near to a person who's not, I can no longer hold, and who can't hold me. You see, that's quite quite a thing. It's quite a thing. It's quite a thing. I know so many people experience that in one way or another, you know. But here I'm holding this bracelet and thinking of my dad, and thinking, wow, life is grand. Life is extraordinary. Life is just extraordinary. And we are, as humans, really extraordinary. So with that, dear listener, I bid you adieu. Thank you for listening. It's important to me to be able to speak this out and to have this ability to share this with you is pretty pretty wonderful so I wish you the very best on the the edge of a new year it's coming in just a few days I send you the warmest wishes and love now and always God bless you bye for now bye